Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Cultural Heretics. Hope you're ready to strap in from uh, wherever you are for some shitlordery. We got some uh, good <laughs> stuff planned for you today. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Burning Bright. Um, BB, why, why don't you uh, kick things off with uh, the show title and explain to the good folks uh, what it means to you? Yeah, so uh, JR had approached me about you know doing some sort of collab, and I think both of us kind of agreed that there's a lot of Infowar stuff going on in the Infowar, of course, and that's pretty well covered on Badlands, and we're both uh, what I would refer to as shit-eating wild men in the culture culture war stuff. And uh, I think, you know, Julian had said that he wanted to do a show that wasn't so much steeped in the info war, but more in the culture war. And uh, we'll see what this show becomes. I think the show, we're gonna let it evolve naturally. Also with the help of the audience, we definitely want you guys to be interactive in the chat. We'll be watching the chat. We'll be watching obviously rants and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the format that JR kind of drummed up for this show, I think is going to be a little different than the other Badlands shows. We're going to have a bit of a more topic focused thing. Ironically, it's going to be much less professional than the rest of Badlands, which is already not professional at all, and much more structured at the same time. So we're going for the complete inversion. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, what, what I, my approach to this is the culture war, as Chris Paul often points out, is sort of the most monetized rage bait, rage porn sort of stuff we get in the info war. Think Daily Wire, think a lot of the stuff on YouTube, although some of that's good too. And what we're trying to do is, you know, be a little more honest about that. We can actually, we can actually say whatever we want because we're not on YouTube. So we get to sort of talk about the Bud Lights of the world and the fun sort of culture topics without actually censoring ourselves, where most of the people commenting on this stuff and monetizing it and monetizing all that rage porn, they're not actually able to be honest about everything they're talking about. Yeah, it, it's nice to not be uh, Ben Shapiro for a variety of reasons, but, um, you know, and, and, and I think that that kind of embodies being cultural heretics as much as Ben Shapiro or Michael Knowles or whoever would like to paint themselves as cultural heretics, the fact that they're still having to bend over for, for YouTube and, you know, make, making sure they don't upset the media, media magisterium. Um, that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, for me, and a lot of this is going to seem redundant to people who've already read my sub stack about this, but uh, cultural heretics you know that's who we are that's who you are it's it's free thinkers who speak outside you know the lies of the global establishment and more importantly make fun of it um it, it's someone who stands for traditional western values and and rejects all the false dogma and the false religion that we see being uh, presented to us from wokeism but uh you know just to get into a little bit about the organized insanity that we're going to be throwing at you today in future episodes uh I think more than anything, we're we're going to be highlighting, the, you know, top highlights from weekly insanity across the cultural space, you know, kind of like Sports Center before it went woke tarded, um, you know, but no sports. 
and it, it's not just going to be that though. It, it's also going to be highlighting heretical heroes, you know, traditional trends, everything that's pushing back against all the stupid. Um, and for us, I, I think more than anything, we want y'all to find levity within the gravity of all the bullshit that we deal with on a daily basis, because it's really one of the only ways to deal with it. Um, but, but like BB said, it's going to be a loose freeform show uh, where everyone can learn more about the culture conflict. Uh, we're not going to dive into things like political game theory or strategy. Uh, those may pop up. It, you know, it intersects a lot with the culture war, but everything really is going to tie back uh, to the current culture war that we're in. So, right. anywho, I, I think that should round up pretty good. Uh, BB, do you have anything to add? Uh, well, I just I, I love um, I love the way you frame cultural heretics, even the terminology. I think it's uh, you know my favorite. Bicameral is the drinking game people play when I start <laughs> ranting and raving, which I don't ever do. Um, I'm very I'm very soft spoken, as you, you might not know this about me. JR, but I'm, I don't talk a lot. So this is going to be difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, he, he's annoyed with me before we've even hosted a show together. So <laughs> that's how, that's how the Burning Bright experience goes. But I love bicameral readings. I love, um, I love paradoxes, something I, I just am fascinated by. And I think this title and the concept, it's like you said, cultural heretics, we sort of see communists as that. They see us as that. And on this show, we get to, we're sort of trying to just own it. It's like, you know what? I call the shit-eating wild men, own it. We get to own traditional values. We get to own, um, We it, it's time for our side of the culture war to stop just whining about shit. And it's, it's time for us to make fun of it and point it out, point out the good things, as you said, but also just... Um, just be based and say whatever the hell we want and not worry about what the establishment thinks of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Don't whine about it, wear it, you know, it, it's, yep. and that's, that's kind of the key to winning the culture wars. You know, you can, you can have all these beliefs behind the scenes, but eventually you're going to have to start standing up for it. And that's what we're going to be trying to do here. So right. all that being said, uh, do you want to kick us off with our first little ad here, baby? Yeah, do our first couple sponsors. So thanks for we already got sponsors on the show. Look how that the Badlands team spun take, these taken off, for us. taken off. So we are first brought to you by our good friend at the Wellness Company. Life is unpredictable. The next medical crisis could be just around the corner. The Wellness Company knows that being prepared doesn't have to break the bank. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit is your all-in-one solution. Featuring essential medications like ivermectin, emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and more. The kit comes with a guidebook to ensure you use them effectively and a case to bring them with you anywhere you might travel. Rest easy knowing you're in the hands of medical professionals you can trust, including Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky. Ready to protect your family without breaking the bank? Visit badlandsmedia.tv TWC. Use the promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. Quality, affordability, and peace of mind. That's the wellness company promise. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash TWEC promo code BADLANDS for 10% off. And our next sponsor is a favorite of our own CanCon. I don't know if you know, you're new to some Badlands lore, JR, but our own CanCon um, ate some No Bugs beef without dehydrating it, and he still enjoyed it. But that is, that's not what we officially recommend. 
So no bugs beef. Badlanders have set no bugs beef on fire. Let's face facts. America's supply chain is going to be increasingly disrupted in the coming months, which means it's not if we'll have a food shortage, it's when. Having enough protein to feed your family for several months is essential for your survival. That's we've part. That's why we've partnered with No Bugs Beef at BadlandsMedia.tv slash No Bugs. Um, I don't think you have the... Do you have the video on this one? Oh, you're muted. Golly, are you fucking up? Um, nope, that's not the one. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> this is this is all part of the plan. Fucking up. Is I, feel, actually... I feel like my boomer parents trying to learn Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> I can, um, I can just go to the link. Slash no bugs. All right, let me, uh, let me just share my screen for this one. Want to do that? All right, we got No Bugs Beef here. They've been a, a sponsor of us for a little while now. They provide sous vide, freeze-dried all-American beef from ranches in Texas that have never, ever given their cows, cows the mRNA jab. The beef stored in Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers for maximum shelf life will stay shelf-stable for more than 10 years without refrigeration and with maximum nutrition and flavor. All you need to do is soak it in water for 15 minutes, unlike CanCon, who prefers to just pop these in his mouth and let his saliva hydrate them. They're ready to eat. Soak it for 15 minutes, then cook it. They're not typical survival meats. They're premium cuts of ribeye, New York strip, tenderloin, sirloin, and chuck. Get your family ready for the chaos at badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs. Use the promo code BADLANDS for an additional 10% off your order. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs, promo code BADLANDS. So yeah, I thought, uh, I like to picture CanCon like eating a whole bag of no bugs beef <laughs> and it just all inflating in his stomach. And uh, before we get into our first topic that uh, JR can introduce here, I do want to just run through some initial rumble rants. Usually we'll do this in the last section, but we get some uh, people trying to send us off with good vibes. Boom Diggity sends in a hundred bucks and says, hello, BB and JR, glad to be here for the debut. And we are glad to have you here, sir. Sparrow64 sent 50 bucks over and said, here's some cash for the Virgin episode. I have full <laughs> faith, have fun. Ophelia's Flowers sent 20 over and said, glad to help get the party started. And Melindy sent five over and said, love how JR says Magisterium. It might be in reference from, from the Golden Compass or his Dark Materials. A little bit, although I think that that story is kind of dog shit, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cover everything. Um, and just so you guys know, obviously rants are available for people who are watching live. Since this is an afternoon show, we know that a lot of people will probably watch this show on replays. And now Badlands has an option if you guys want to get a question in or support the show or a comment that we'll read on the next episode. Just go to badlandsmedia.tv, click the support Badlands button, and you can, uh, you can submit a boost. You can choose cultural heretics as the show. And we'll check those out at the end of every episode and um, the beginning of the next episode. So, um, yeah, thanks for sending us off in style. Appreciate it. What is right, our first well, shitlordery topic? The first shitlordery topic. Okay. The clown crown. So, um, like I said, some of you might already be familiar with this if you read my sub stack, but... Each week, what we're going to do is we're going to crown any cringe individual that's trending in the public narrative, you know, from their woke cringe antics, basically any NPC who's 
sitting atop the normie sphere for all the wrong reasons. Uh, neither BB or myself are going to know each other's choice beforehand. Uh, and honestly, I think this is going to make it a little bit more fun. The fact that we're not actually aware. Um, so all that being said, I can go ahead and jump in with uh, my clown crown nominee. And I think uh, this probably isn't going to surprise most people, but I'm going to have to throw this one over to Travis Kelsey. Uh, that guy really earned his crown this week. Uh, he's such a douche canoe. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and he, he does such a great job of reiterating uh, that fact. Um, you know, whether, gosh, there, there's so many things is like, the Super Bowl, the quote about him, give me your guns. And then he got on the field and yelled at Andy Reid and which will live in meme infamy. Uh, and then, of course, the infamous glitter suit. Somebody in my comments made me laugh, uh, said it looked like he was wrapped in cassette tape, uh, which is, is pretty <laughs> on point. Uh, the guy just sucks. And then, of course, you know, right after the, the Kansas City Super Bowl celebration happened, here comes Travis Kelsey being like, oh, the children, you know, and it's just like three, two, one until he starts calling for gun control all over again. The guy could not be any more obvious of a, uh, you know, someone who sold out. Um, and then, of course, there's the obvious aspect to it, which is his fake ass relationship with Taylor Swift, um, watching them cringe together. Uh, you know, my wife's a big Swifty, and even, you know, she said after the Super Bowl that, everything that they did that day just kind of grossed her out, you know, whether it yeah. was it, Taylor Swift chugging beer, uh, Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid. It was just, it was, it was terrible. Well, this is actually perfect. And I kind of had a feeling this might happen, but my clown crown of <laughs> low hanging is, fruit is Travis Kelsey. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes we're probably going to throw some curveballs around. I actually originally was going to, um, I was going to go with a bit of a cheat and say Joe Biden, um, not because of the political sphere, but because uh, in the wake of the Super Bowl, Biden tried to inject himself right into the middle of all this nonsense with the, the laser eyes meme, which I think yeah. really insulted a lot of Anons, especially uh, just because, you know, they can't the left can't meme. Right. That's a meme in and of At itself all. for a reason. Uh, but yeah, I ended up choosing Kelsey. Um, I was inspired, actually, if you want to share my screen here your post from your post from yesterday was perfect three days ago travis kelsey you know is promoted here there needs to be more strict gun laws especially when toddlers are dying we can't have that in our communities i mean you know the i, I often say i try to look for white pills within the black pills sometimes and we had some hand rigging ringing in the truth community that i, I saw as a little bit elitist where people, including some co-hosts of mine, Just Human was one of them, kind of talking about, you know, this is dumb stuff to focus on. We shouldn't be focusing on this stuff. Um, the fact that normies were talking about conspiracy theories leading up to the Super Bowl with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, I find that to be overwhelmingly positive because while most normies were probably engaging with that mostly in a joking manner, I don't think that the results of the game and then all of these sorts of things that you're starting to boost here in the wake of the Kansas City parade shooting and everything, that stuff does start to seep in, I think, on a subconscious level where people it does. are going, man, and, and you know, it's, 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 it's too much. It's it's also too obvious. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it's weird in 2024. 
how blatantly obvious everything's becoming. It's sort of like, look at this point, if, if you're not seeing it, like you, you need like a live stream of Biden, you know, whiteboarding, like, all right, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. You know, I mean, and maybe that's necessary. I don't know. All I know is, is that it couldn't be any more on the nose with the whole like your guns are bad. Give them to me. And then three days later after the Chiefs win their Super Bowl, there's there's a shooting. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, for for all those reasons, um, he definitely gets the crown. Uh, it really wasn't even a contest. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was probably the easiest pick I'll make all year. Yeah. And honestly, it kind of it, it's the perfect guy for it, because as a football fan, even though I, it, you know, it, it kills my soul, especially during the BLM era, <laughs> like it, I, I stopped. I didn't watch for, you know, over a year after that. And I kind of got back in and it's uh, it's probably all fake and gay. But Travis Kelsey, even before he was Mr. Swift, was just a douche canoe of epic proportions, as you said. He's he's just an unlikable guy. He's an unlikable competitor. He's extremely talented. But, uh, man, it almost makes it worse, you know? Like, I can kind of sometimes understand when athletes are not household names. And maybe they partner up and they get involved in the Hollywood shit. Yeah. And, you know, but it's like, dude, you're you're arguably the best tight end ever. You've made hundreds of millions of dollars based on endorsements and all the rest of it. You've you've won three Super Bowls. Right. Like, Do you really need to sell out to Pfizer yeah. at this point? Right. Exactly. The Pfizer thing. I mean, it's like that was where it all started. And I, I really just take it. It's like cucking yourself on national TV and the juxtaposition between Kelsey, who's this big, strong American athlete, like A-list athlete, and then made himself you know, look like a little bitch. Yeah, showing his little yeah. band-aids on his arm. It's absurd. It, it is absurd. And every time I see that, I just cringe. My wife, she was getting so frustrated with me because we were over at her parents' house the other night watching the Super Bowl. And, you know, every time a Pfizer commercial came on, or Kelsey's face or Taylor Swift's face, I'm just like, it's all a big Pfizer ad or, a, you know, a gun control ad or, you know, a. and then you got Ice Spice with her upside down cross. It was just like, oh, it's so hard to operate in those environments when you're surrounded by a bunch of normies and you're just watching this blatant bullshit happen in front of you and you just kind of have to swallow it and move on. Yeah. But I, I have, I have a lot more difficulties uh, with that than I think most people do. Yeah, I get it. Um, well, one more note too, just as a little, uh, a little aside, uh, Taylor Swift is not hot. Um, no, she's, she's never not. been hot. She's, she looks like, you know, a strong breeze would, uh, would break her pelvis so I can only imagine that either Kelsey really has like a nothing going on or they've they've never even done anything because I don't I don't understand how that could work. She's no, kind of got she's kind of got boyish features way too she thin. Does. So I'm it, just saying, you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying if we're just looking at it from the surface level, I think there could be times where you're like, well, if it was somebody else besides Taylor Swift, Maybe you understand the complete sellout and selling your soul to Satan and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, for that, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I this is something that's also because my wife, like I said, she was a Swifty. And I've told her over and over again, I don't find her attractive and I never have. And she's like, why? Yeah. It's like, there's just something about her. Like, she doesn't have the I don't it's not even just like the the fact that she doesn't have like womanly curves or you know it's more just like the way she just looks stilted yeah all, all the time um yeah. I actually saw this video someone posted I can't remember who did that like her skirt blew up and she had these butt pads on 
And I was just like, oh, dude. Dude, does she keep what's those funny on is they're the not even room, helping maybe. her that much. Um, yeah, got to get yeah. some better butt pads for that stuff. Just do some squats like a normal do Instagram some hoe squats. or something. My God. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what comes from. I'm sure there's a lot more to come from yeah. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And, and that's the other thing. Everyone can see at this point that they're clearly planning on doing something with Swift. You had Chuck mm. Schumer you know, posting his cringe shit on Super Bowl night being like, I love Taylor Swift. My favorite song is White Horse. Here's why. And, you know, yeah. it's like it's White and Horse, too. That's even some comms right there. Right. Exactly. So anyways, yeah. we've probably uh, given ba- them enough. Shout out to Bay Theater. Dave says Gronk is retarded, too, but likably retarded. That's exactly right. Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, our own in New England. He is a likable retard. That is, uh, he's too stupid to be corrupt. And that's what we love about him. He remains the GOAT tight end for that reason. Yeah, man. And Gronk reminds me of, like, you know, he was that guy in high school that, you know, everyone knew he was, like, retarded, but you still loved him. He was that guy (laughs) that you hoped would show up at the party because he would just, like, throw wild cards all over the place. Uh, (laughs) Travis Kelsey is the guy that would, like, show up and everyone would be like, yeah. Parents Travis here. Kelsey was like the John Harold of the party. Like he was probably golfing with his <laughs> oh, he was damn. probably golfing with his dad and his work friends, his dad's <laughs> work friends, when uh when other people were throwing ragers. So uh if that hit too close to home, Harold, just let me know. Oh man, and on that note, uh we can jump into our next segment. Uh let's see, cue up the little fun graphic here. Heretical hero of the week. So this one, I think we actually might get uh, some some different takes on. But for me, this was tough. Uh, but I ended up going with the uh, the nine year old Kansas City Chiefs fan that uh, was accused of blackface a couple months ago by oh yeah it was a dead dead spin. Um, yes, and I then think. you know it turned out like your journalist literally all you had to do was find another picture of him to see that he had red and white on his face. And what what I find even funnier about it. Is it, it turned out that he and his family have Native American heritage, um, but even if they didn't, like the, it's the Chiefs, like that's 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 what they dress like. He's just being a fan, and he's a kid, right? Um, but you know the fact that he got to show up to the Super Bowl with that headdress on and his face paint and a shit-eating grin on his face, it made me happy. Um, it also made me a lot happier too if their lawsuit against Deadspin succeeds because. That, that's the kind of like, I am not the type of guy to be like, yeah, sue him. But those are those times where it's like, you absolutely deserve to be sued yeah. and bankrupted. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Holden Armenta, the nine-year-old Kansas City Chiefs fan, my heretical hero of the week. That's that's a good pick. Um, and, you know, when you talk about lawsuits, it reminds me even going back to the drops. Lawsuits can be very effective. I think that can go in many different yep. ways. We're seeing it on a on a sort of macro scale with things like Elon Musk going after media matters and starting a little cascade there. But that, that stuff trickles down. I think that, I think my personal theory on a lot of that stuff is that there's some precedents being set, not just legal precedents, but psychological precedents. You know, when people like this boy and his father see organizations like this media organizations being sued a famous one in the era of maga is is it nick sandman um with the uh everybody you know that that infamous thing that happened wasn't it it was washington i think he got cnn as well yeah i got got cnn too and he won 
and you know are settled whatever whatever the case may be and i think that that sets some good psychological precedent where you know it's not about the united states has been consumed by an era of slap suits and frivolous lawsuits of 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 our generation really but there comes a time when these media organizations need to they need to get screwed by yeah. destroying people's lives because the key word again going to the drops is knowingly they didn't they don't make mistakes these people are not making mistakes with this kid they are seeking and destroying people in order to push communist agendas there are enemies they should be treated as such and if this kid and his family can get some fat checks out of their demise then i am all for it that's capitalism and you know uh justice system coming together in a beautiful way to me yeah absolutely because that kind of goes back to what i was saying it's like how could you not realize that uh, th what that face paint actually was you know like you're, you're a journalist that there was more than one picture of him you know than from the side with only black and to me to your point it was obvious that the, the journalist knew exactly what he was doing and to your point, when they're knowingly doing this stuff, it's it's time to clap back. Yeah. All right. All right my heretical, my heretical hero of the week is Henry Cavill. I'm going oh. to uh, share my screen here. This is the scene that that made me pick him this week. But um, if you want to share my screen there, yeah. So Cavill did an interview this week about a new movie that he's in called Argyle, and he was talking about sex scenes. I'll play a little bit of this. Let me know if it's working audio-wise. Yeah. Is it people just with less clothing on? Right. Henry Cavill would rather keep his clothes on. During the February 5th episode of Happy, Sad, Confused, the Argyle actor shares that despite the popularity of on-screen intimacy, it's the part of filmmaking he isn't into. It's just something I don't understand. I also don't understand him. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. But I feel quite awkward about it. Yeah, yeah you go, right, okay. You feel what awkward. I need to do... <laughs> Although he thinks there are circumstances where a sex scene actually is beneficial to a movie, Henry finds they're overused these days. It's when you have a sense that you're going, is this really necessary or yeah. is it people just with less clothing on? Right. Yeah. And that's where you start to get more uncomfortable and you're thinking, there's, a, there's not a performance here. Right. There's, there's, not, there's not a piece which is going to carry through into the rest of the movie. Still, the 40-year-old admits that sex scenes can be great in a movie and can really help with the storytelling. However, he believes they're rarely used in that way. The human imagination is going to trump it. Right. Mm. And so I think it, it, it can be a little bit of a cop-out right. if a, a, a TV show or a movie is just filled with sort of gyrating bodies and you're going, okay, right. but I mean... What is this doing for us, apart from the idea of like, oh, naked person, great. Yeah. Well, and, and, I agree. Are we just English prudes? Perhaps. But I mean, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, there are different ways. Like... So the reason I bring that up is um, I'm not opposed to sex scenes in movies. I see my own wife, my uh, my scandalous wife is in the chat saying, well, damn, why watch his movies then? Uh, she is not opposed to staring at Henry Cavill, which I'm okay with. You know, at some point you just gotta, you gotta give it up. Handsome dude. He's, he looks great in The Witcher. So and he's hard to hate. He's, he's hard to hate. I, I love Henry Cavill. And um, the reason I, I like that is it's not this super controversial thing. It's not that I'm one of these kind of 
old school Christian crusaders who's or conservatives. I mean, I used to be a liberal. Like I, I'm not into the let's cancel everybody because they're about sex or, um, you know, I'm not anti nudity in movies. I'm not anti bad language, as you guys can see. Um, the, the reason I like what he's talking about is because he's not opposed to nudity in film. He's calling out the industry for not using it to advance a storyline. He's, exactly. he's, he's talking about how they cast men like him and they cast women in certain ways. They give you your titty shots. They give you your ass shots. They give you your abs, abs shots, but there's nothing actually advancing any kind of story that's going on there. So I think what he's doing, and he does this in a lot of interviews, is he's exposing the formula through which these movies that he is in, um, they think they're going to get audiences to pay attention because they're basically fundamentally disrespecting the audience's intelligence. They don't think that you're mature enough or they're not good writers. They're not good enough writers to make a sex scene make sense. They just throw right. it in there so they can put it into a, a marketing campaign and and so you can go stare at it. Basically, they, they, you know, they think your palate sucks, so they're just going to pour a bunch more sugar on it. You know, it's like, well, they, they just want it to be like, you know, sweeter, like like you're a five year old or something. There's like, you know, I want I want more sugar in it. And it's such a common uh, Cavill W these days. I, I feel like his stock is skyrocketing um especially in our community the cultural uh, oh, yeah. heretic community um i personally i can't wait for his 40k amazon original i think it has uh some major major potential uh but no I, to your point like it, it, i don't think he's being a puritan i think he's just saying like these writers are getting lazy and they're basically like oh we'll throw him some tits and ass and you know like that'll be enough you know and as much as I enjoyed Game of Thrones, like sometimes I I started to get that feel for that yeah. show because I'm like you, I'm not I'm not like I'll ban all nudity from all movies ever, um, you know. But only if it's making sense for the story, um, you know. There there's that really critical scene in uh, Braveheart, you know. Obviously, Mel Gibson's probably very aligned to Hen Henry Cavill and you and I, uh, but there is that one uh, nudity scene with him and his wife in the forest. Yeah. Um, and it's very ethereal. Like you, you, it adds the texture of the film. But I think what Cavill is trying to say is like a lot of these people now, they're just basically trying to dumb you down and force right. feed you. Yeah. I have another little clip. I, I wanted to set that modern clip up, but this clip is from, um, this clip is from 2019. If you want to share my screen there. Yeah. Um, this is so for those who don't follow this stuff, like uh, JR and I do a little bit more closely, this is the moment, this is the inflection point where Henry Cavill was um, considered or marked as persona non grata within the Hollywood communist establishment because uh, Henry does not, he does not, um, he does not cowtail to, cowtail to, um, to baiting attempts. You know, fan baiting is a term that's kind of used a lot now online where an interviewer will ask an actor something that is intended to draw a very specific response from that actor that they can then use in marketing right and most of or that they can use for culture war propaganda political propaganda so they might say something like what do you think about racist fans who don't like this black character in the new star wars movie and the actor will go well i'm totally against racism right when that's not actually a fan sentiment that's being expressed so this this dumbass 
tries to get Cavill to go in against fans on the Witcher series, and I'll provide a little bit of context after this, but let's see what he has to say. Really interesting with this character that I find fascinating, which is that he genuinely really does just want to do the right thing, mm -hmm. but everywhere he goes, whether it's a new town or a new bar, people just kind of give him a hard time and they rag on him despite the fact that he has great intentions. I'm curious if that's comparable to this sort of world, this culture of toxic fandom, where like if you make a movie, especially if you make a superhero movie, like you have great intentions, but there are always going to be a small yet vocal group of people there can kind of just be toxic. I understand what you're saying, but when it comes to fans, it is a fan's right mm -hmm. to have whatever opinion they want to have. And people are going to be upset because, especially when it, you're talking about books or games, because you're never going to be the exact person who they had in their head or who they played on Witcher 3, for example. I don't necessarily consider that toxic. I just consider that passionate. So that is one of the most based little clips that I have seen in the modern culture war because he, he totally doesn't take the bait and then reprimands the interviewer on behalf of the fans because uh, he knows those fans are pissed for good reason. Right. And but God, he, he reprimands him in such a good way. Like yep. he didn't get pissed. He was calm, cool and collected. Um, and he just rained down a, a whole bunch of red pills on him. And I think I, you and I, first of all, I'm pretty sure on the same YouTube algorithm, cause I've, I've watched that clip plenty of times. Uh, it, you can't help but think that he's talking a little bit about Amazon's attempt, for example, to, uh, rehash Lord of the Rings, uh, with oh their God. rings of power series, which I, I literally can't think of a better example of, of how to piss off a fan base um than what rings of power did and that's definitely what he was speaking to right there like look as fans of these books we we have a right you know to, to demand at least as much accuracy as possible to say the books you know obviously there are time limits and things like that which are are gonna you know prevent that from happening that that happened in a lot of ways with with tolkien's original films i'm sure john yeah. harold's pissed right now because we're talking tolkien again but those were phenomenal films and and the Tolkien fandom uh, agrees that those are phenomenal films and held true to the spirit yeah. of it not uh Rings of Power in any way shape or form um oh, we'll so, probably talk about this every week <laughs> I don't, I'm okay with it I, I've already yeah. got more talk Tolkien talking points <clears throat> planned so uh John better strap in yeah, and uh, and by the way I see Chris and John and everybody in the chat telling me that cowtail is not it's not a word, it's cow-toe, um, but I think that we can change that. I think we have the right as official arbiters of everything American culture. That's what this show actually is, is we're going to remake American culture. So I think cow-tailing is now going to be a new thing. Yeah, man, make, so, make it happen. Make yeah. it happen. But uh, the other you. context, you know, you bring up the Rings of Power there, but the context of that interview with Cavill as well is that the Witcher series on Netflix is based on a popular fantasy book series. Henry Cavill was a huge fan of this series. He plays yep. Geralt, Geralt of Rivia very well. Um, the first season is pretty good. He's fantastic in the show. And he actually left the show after season, through, season two because of uh, disagreements with the creative direction of the show where the producers... Uh, actively wanted to subvert the source material, elevate the female characters over over Geralt of Rivia. They wanted to emasculate that character. Um, there's a famous scene in season two where Geralt, uh, played by Cavill, 
basically recites a poem over the dead body of his horse, Roach. In the novel, this is one of the most emotional moments in the entire series, and Henry wrote that scene and refused to go to set until they filmed it because the producers, uh, he, he noticed in the scene where the horse dies, the producers didn't have any, didn't have Geralt saying anything about this horse. And he knew that in the novel, this horse was the only friend that the character has ever had. So he said it was absurd that this character would not say anything about the yep. horse. So he wrote his own original poem that was in keeping with the novel. And, uh, you know, again, you don't need things to be exactly accurate. Like you said about Tolkien, it's about being in the spirit of the original work. And uh, Cavill's maybe one of the only guys in Hollywood who's actually kind of fighting that fight right now. So we'll probably it's probably not the first time we'll highlight him. No, no. And I actually have a similar example uh, as from Jim Caviezel uh, when he I don't know if you all have ever seen Count of Monte Cristo. If you haven't, it, you absolutely have to watch it as a great film, obviously based on the uh, Alexander Dumas novel. But uh, one of the critical themes in that film is, you know, his struggle with God and, you know, like how God was his strength to get him out of this prison and uh, Jim Caviezel was signed on for this film. And when he was reading through the script, he noticed that they just they chopped out all references to God and tried to make it a, more about like, you know, finding the power within all, all this shit. And Jim Caviezel actually had it written in his contract that he could, uh, you know, he could comment or had control over the script to some extent. He's like, no, you're putting this back in this the film. It's, it, it's literally one of the central themes of the movie and if you take this out you're taking apart what makes this story what it is and right. and i i it it just blows my mind that they even try and do that stuff but thank god for people like henry cavill and jim caviezel who are willing to fight and say uh bullshit we're putting this in yeah all right let's get to our uh all right jumping along section. to trash trends you folks might notice uh, a familiar jim Leahy and randy bobandy there but uh so yeah for for this you know really what we're going to be doing like like bb mentioned this could evolve over time um but this week what we're going to be doing is highlighting any emerging cultural trends within the normie sphere uh that we really should eat into the trash um you know, instead of, spoke, of focusing on specific people, it's going to be those emerging trends that you see popping up, you know, on TikTok, whatever it may be. Uh, but basically anything that's in lockstep with uh, the communist subversion of our uh, Western society. But for me, you know, I, I think I'd have to go with with Black History Month. And now, hear me out on this <laughs> a one. A small little one to Just start a small off. little one before <laughs> everyone starts crying racist. That I'm not saying, you know, like, oh, black people don't have anything to offer. Of course I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, what, what I'm saying is, is that this month was, from its inception, was created to create division. Because it, it was that, for, you see it, you know, how it spiraled out of control now, right? Like for, first there's Black History Month and, and now there's Black National Anthem. So now we have a separate national anthem to all our football games for the black community. It's like, why, why do this? The whole point of them, you know, creating these months, whether it's like 
Pacific Pacific Islander month or there's so many now it's impossible to keep up with. It is taking, you know, a unified American people who are unified by the, the ideals of our culture and our constitution and putting them into boxes. Okay. Black people over here, you know, uh, Pacific Islanders over here, Brown people over here, Asians over here. And they're doing this deliberately because they know it's going to all make us resent each other. Um, yeah. it, it, it's going to make black people <clears throat> resent white people. And by the way, you know, it'll, it'll make it so people like me can't say things like it probably shouldn't exist because what's the first thing that's going to happen when I say that? It's like, Oh, yeah. you're a racist. You want to take Black History Month from us? Like, no, I don't think anyone should have any months. I certainly don't yeah. think there should be a White History Month. Jesus Christ. I would never, ever say that. I, I can't think of a fast way to get canceled anywhere for anything. Um, and so, yeah, but like you see how Black History Month has gotten extremely more toxic on TikTok. I saw this um, this video. I, I won't do a screen share because uh, I wasn't as well prepared as you on that front. Um, where essentially this TikToker was saying that white people should start worshiping black people, give them their parking spots, pay them more than white people. It's like, Jesus Christ, anything else? I, I mean, <laughs> right. but, but, that, but that's the kind of stuff. It, it's going to bring out that toxicity over time until it just boils over and, and, you know, until all out division. And like, look, I'm, I was born, you know, in, in the late eighties and I grew up an early nineties kid. I'm telling you that kind of division did not exist back then. Of, of course there were, there were always race issues in America. There always were, there always will be most likely, but you can see how everything has gotten progressively worse. The more their head, their agenda has been marched forward on this front. Absolutely. Um, I, w I wish I could find it right now, but I actually just yesterday, the day before saw, um, saw some sort of business poll that that was done, you know, US wide, nationwide, it was talking about uh, diversity, diversity and inclusion um, initiatives at businesses, basically the trainings rather than the, the macro initiative, it was yeah. specifically focusing on training. And it had shown that um, diversity training and anti racist training um, directly and statistically increases feelings of animus and racism among both the minority uh, employees who are subjected to it and the white employees who are Correct. subjected to it. So, and as you're pointing out about Black History Month, um, the great thing about this show and being on Badlands and being on Rumble is we can say whatever the fuck we want. We don't, we, we're not, you know, we don't, I get why the YouTube guys have to do it, but I think one of the things, one of the trends we need to start setting in behaviors is to not qualify the opinions we're, we're going to give, we're all kind of learning how to do this, right? By saying, I'm not racist, but I think this about Black History Month, uh, Black History Month should be yeeted into the trash can, like you said. Um, it's not ridiculous to say that. I saw LKW Cross in the, uh, in the chat had said Juneteenth, right? So now they're trying yep. to expand it. Yeah, they're, they're trying, trying to expand, expand it. it. Yep. And you're absolutely right. The reason I bring up those DEI initiatives and the employee training is uh, statistically... It, it bears out that the intention behind these things is to cause division. Uh, I just I just thought of while you, when you brought that up, very short clip. I'll, I'll share my screen again before uh, before a lot of these celebrities got the woke talking points that <laughs> they were supposed to pass. They were supposed to, um, you know, hate the orange man, etc. We were getting base takes like this from Morgan Freeman. 
Oh, this is a classic. You, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I do. Let's add it to the stage. Yep. Black History Month, you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is Life History Month? No, well, no, no, come on, tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month Jewish. is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And Stop still... talking about it. That that last little soundbite, it, it is packed with so much wisdom. I, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know what's happened to Morgan Freeman over the years. I, I you know, I think that he's slowly been, you know, slowly but surely that they've gotten their claws into him. But that back then, man, that's when he was still read from Shawshank Redemption, you know, just dropping those hard narrative truths that no one wanted to hear. Um, but it, it, when he says, just stop talking about it, I, I that is the perfect solution to all of it. it because like in the 90s, you know, obviously with OJ, OJ Simpson stuff, one of the biggest differences was it wasn't talked nearly, nearly as much as it is now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I see, you know, a little kind of ironic little dust ups going on in the chat but uh if people are worried about our language or anything like that um i don't care the point the point of this show is for us to say whatever we want and uh be a little bit more rough around the edges so yeah we're not worried the the irony is you just prove our point when you start complaining about <laughs> people's language and everything so stop being a communist even if you're being a communist by getting mad that we're using certain words that you don't like uh nobody likes you nobody likes that kind of policing so uh just screw off basically is what exactly. i would say to that you'll be fine you'll yep. be fine there's plenty of there's plenty of shit eating wild men and women that are going to like what we do and we welcome those people and we'll just make fun of the rest all uh, right that all being said let's let's get <laughs> your trash trend let's see if we can piss some more people off yeah, uh, my trash trend is uh, adjacent to Hollywood, and uh, it's it's relevant to what's in the news cycle right now or the the uh, the movie cycle right now, and that is uh, all female versions of oh, yeah. anything. So uh, there's a movie out right now called Madam Web, which is a garbage movie based on a. Co it's not even based on comic books. It's just something that they made up, taking a bunch of. They basically plucked a bunch of female characters out of Spider-Man comic books, put them all into one movie. Uh, had a horrible script around it, no source material to work with. So all they did was they just they used it as a propaganda machine to to talk about an all female this, all female that. Uh, the irony is they've completely run out of the marketing where they can try to pass off these female led superhero movies as the first of something. They always want to talk about glass ceilings and this is the first time we've ever done this or that. Um, the trend, luckily, this trash trend is one that is dying. Uh, the movie has like a 17% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, even among professional critics. It's hemorrhaging cash. Uh, nobody wants it. And uh, it's not about being anti-women or anti-anything else. It's like Morgan Freeman said in that clip about Black History Month, 
You know how we solve racism? We stop talking about it all the time. You know how we solve sexism? We stop marketing projects based on gender and based on sex. And uh, one more little irony on the all-female sort of uh, trend in Hollywood is that it's contradicting one of their other core tenets, which is that gender is a social construct. Right. So on the one hand, they're fourth wave feminists. And on the other hand, gender is a social construct. And if you talk about it, um, you are, you are, you know, some sort of chauvinist or something like that. So or a heretic. It's a trash trend and it's um, dying. And, and that's why it's fun to be a heretic, though, because all of their beliefs within their belief system are self-cannibalizing. You know, it's like, if trans women are women, then why do we even have to add the qualifier of trans in front of it? Why aren't they just women? Um, and, you know, I love asking that question because you see their brains kind of implode. They're like, yeah, I mean, trans women are women, but I have to. But everything goes back to the victim mentality, because really what they're trying to do more than anything is maintain victimhood status. Right. And the only way, because obviously there's no logic behind any of these things that they're trying to propagate upon all of us. It, it really just comes down to, you know, they have to exert power in order to force that onto us because they're certainly not going to convince us with logic. Um, the only way they can really do it is by making us all far more retarded, which unfortunately yeah. it seems like they've succeeded at in a lot of different sectors. Um, <laughs> We're just trying to be retarded in the right way now. And I think that we are slowly doing that. Yeah. Uh, want me to grab, uh, grab our next couple sponsors before we get to the Absolutely. Last few topics here. Who do we who do we have up next? We have Aero Tags. Aero Tags. Aero which tags. you ridiculously played earlier. All right. So tired of the endless cycle of buying and tossing those paper tree air fresheners, enter Aero Tags, where their dream was to craft a solution to this very problem. Aero Tags are the first ever laser engraved, resentable car air fresheners made right here in the USA. Born in the makerspace of the Cleveland Public Library, Aero Tags is not just a business; it's a revolution, a testament to the American dream. They're not just about freshening your space, but doing it better. With a commitment to longevity, aesthetics, and sustainability, AeroTags are designed to last longer, look great, and reduce waste, replacing those fleeting scents with something you can count on. Don't forget to grab your Badlands Media AeroTag, now available. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash AeroTags and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your order. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash A-R-O-T-A-G-S, AeroTags, or as John would say it, AeroTags and use the promo code BADLANDS for 10% off. And our other sponsor is another uh, maker of cool stuff, Beamish Metalworks. Tension Badlanders in the heart of Malmo, Minnesota. A remarkable family-led team at Beamish Metalworks is crafting not just metal art, but personalized, timeless masterpieces. Beamish Metalworks is in a class of its own, pioneering metal on wood creations. Imagine a piece of art that's not not confined by generic designs, but is a narrative of your persona, your memories, or your dreams. From the elegance of an office centerpiece to the wild spirit of hunting and fishing scenes, your imagination is the only limit. Dive into the realm of endless possibilities with Beamish customization, where your space becomes a reflection of you with the distinct vibe that only Beamish Metalworks can offer. Beamish Metalworks proudly supports local heroes and events from veteran fundraisers to law enforcement gatherings, embedding ourselves as a pillar of support and gratitude. Visit Beamish Metalworks today at badlandsmedia.tv slash metalart and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your one-of-a-kind purchase. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash metalart, promo code BADLANDS. And I uh, should have one of these on my wall at some time soon. So thank yeah, you to our sponsors. 
I might have to get some from Beamish as well, in case y'all haven't noticed. Uh, we got a pretty blank wall back here, uh, so I got I to gotta spiff it up. So I might have to reach out to our friends at Beamish, see what they can do for me. But Not enough storage um, on that wall yet. So before we jump into our, our next segment here, Beebs, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, no. We're good. We're good to move. All right. Let's jump into trad trends. So... Again, this is something that again, we might merge with trash trends. It might become trends in general in future episodes. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it flows. But um, this is the inverse of trash trends, obviously, where we're highlighting encouraging trends. You know, the uh, uh, you know people fighting back against all the bullshit, you know, everything they're trying to force down our throats. Um, for, for me, uh, it was probably the burnout of, or the burnouts that we're seeing of, you know, people doing in their trucks on these ridiculous rainbow flag pride sidewalks uh dylan brewer i think it was in Clearwater. It like a 19 year old kid he did burnout uh i think it was sometime in early february and yeah. now he's being charged with like a felony and fine and all this crazy shit just for doing a burnout um i'm by no means advocating you know hey go spray paint things go do you know, go fuck up people's property. Not at all. However, it, it, it's ridiculous. It's like you, you painted it on a road. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't see conservatives going around painting MAGA on roads or painting the American flag on roads because we don't want cars driving over things that we feel are important to us. So yeah. the premise is ridiculous in the first place. It's like, you need to respect this rainbow flag that you're driving over. It's like, okay, the, you lost me. You already lost me. Um, and I like that, you know, there were people doing those burnouts because it's basically like, no, dude, you're not going to force this on onto me or my, the wheels of my vehicle. Like, I'm not cool with this. Here's a little skid mark for you. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it, it, it's one little way to push back. But the fact that he's been charged with, you know, a felony and fined. Meanwhile, they, you know, they let all these people burn down targets and Walgreens for, you know, the better span of a year and didn't do shit. Um, but this kid, you know, we got to throw the book at him because he did a skid mark on our, our uh, beautiful rainbow flag. It's like, dude, spare me, spare me. Yeah. Okay. This um, and, but the reason they're throwing the book at him is it goes back to the, the cultural norms they're trying to force on us. They basically are trying to say like, if you push back against cultural norms like this, this is what happens to you. We're going to yeah. throw the book at you. We're going to charge you with a felony. Right. Yeah, uh, it's a great it's a great choice. And, you know, I would uh, even sort of I remember one of the things I used to argue with my conservative friends about when I was uh, more of a self-described liberal was protesting using national symbols and everything. You know, the, the most controversial form of that would probably be burning an American flag. Um, you know, these are things that hit hit most of us in this community pretty hard when people do stuff like that. We don't like to see it. Um, I was always kind of on the other side of that, and I sort of have retained that mentality that I resent when people do that, but I think that it's a huge slippery slope to try to police what people are doing with symbols. If that symbol is your property, if it's public property or something like that, totally different, right? You're talking about statues, you're talking about somebody else's American flag. Um, I never want to see somebody burning the American flag, but I also don't want them tackled by cops and thrown in jail when right. they're demonstrating something. Uh, and you know what? 
the left are the ones who talk about we should be able to burn the American flag. Okay, well then I'm going to do burnouts on your pride exactly. flag. Because this is a political symbol. A pride flag is a political symbol. And really, to go one step further, it's a national symbol. It's basically a symbol of a national identity and a, uh, a cultural identity. And if people want to protest against that by doing some burnouts or burning a pride flag, they should be allowed to do that. According to the left's own, the communists' own framework, we should be allowed to do that as well, right? So... I'm sort of a, uh, I'm a free speech absolutist, and I'm also a, a demonstration absolutist. As long as you are not breaking any constitutional laws or breaking the property rights of others or violating rights of others, I think you should be able to do whatever you want with, uh, with any kind of symbols or protests, and that goes both ways. It just turns out with most of these trends that uh, the other side is not able to take it, but they can dish it out, right? Right, and... But and like burning the American flag to your point, like what real what is that really? What they're doing is they're they're trolling conservatives, right? Yeah. They, they, and if, as a troll, I can tell you that why they do it is they're trying to they get they get all their fuel from the the response, right? You know, like if when people react to their bullshit antics, like burning the American flag, what they're what they're doing is they're getting more fuel to keep doing it. I, and if you act like you don't give a shit about it, then then they'll stop. They'll lose all momentum. Um, but the moment that everyone starts making hay over it, that's when, you know, they they know that they've got something. Um, yeah. But that's the difference between us, you know, cultural heretics, conservative folks and the people on the left is that, you know, you know, we are man enough to be like, all right, man, wh do whatever retarded shit you want to do. Whereas they are just like, you know, do that. And that's illegal. You're, right. you're going to jail. Um, babysitting. Yeah. Babysitting. Uh, people have noticed that the subversion of the sun through my window is, uh, is increasing today. So this is something that I'm now going to have to deal with on Thursdays specifically <laughs> because of you. Um, but yeah, but I could help. All right, my uh, my trad trend is uh, again related to kind of pop culture and um, and TV media, movie media, but I think it's a larger trend, and that would be uh, an, I'm noticing a resurgence in Western culture, um, westerns. You know, Yellowstone. I've been watching Yellowstone recently. I'm super late to the party. I know that that's like the most popular show on American TV, but that show's super popular. We've got some Western movies being put into production for the first time in decades. We've got uh, more people moving to Western states, uh, not California, but moving out of California and resettling Midwestern states and Western states. And I think there's just this resurgence in uh, the American cowboy myth. Uh, I had commented on an episode of Story Hour when Chris and I had discussed The Last Samurai. Um, you know, the samurai is a, is a symbol ubiquitous to Japan, of course. Um, one of the interesting little bits of research I had found when I was uh, reading about that movie is that the most recognizable symbol, national symbol, uh, worldwide is that of the American cowboy. You know, if you show other cultures sort of a, um, a silhouette of a samurai or of whatever is ubiquitous to any given culture, and then you show them a guy on a stallion with a cowboy hat as a silhouette, uh, the whole world understands that as being American, even though it could have been anywhere, technically. So I think that uh, it's kind of a weird amorphous trend, but I'm, I think it's a good thing. I think speaking of nationalism and everything, there's people are kind of um, 
responding to modern woke bullshit by returning to some traditional trends, right. which includes some of our traditional symbols in pop culture, which is, hey, the Western man, Westerns, and, uh, and, and the Midwest. So I think that that's a positive trend. Yeah, and I mean, and it represents masculinity too. Like to me, there's probably nothing before, and that's that's probably one of the reasons they made Brokeback Mountain in the first place is they had to they had to knock the the you know the cowboy image down a few notches because it represents I feel like peak masculinity. It represents John Wayne. It represents taming the frontier. You know, wild animals um, facing the unknown, and I feel like that's one of the reasons uh, the cowboy is so recognizable as American is because that's kind of what Americans have always been, right. Is, is taming something wild, you know, right. Going out, ha having the balls to go out there and do something, you know, that that's going to put you in danger, but knowing that you'll be better on the other end for it. Um, but I grew up watching, you know, John Wayne movies. My, my grandpa right. introduced me to those and, absolutely loved them um i haven't gotten as deep into um yellowstone as of late uh there frankly there's there's so little good content out there that i, yeah. I need to start watching it um yeah. i think we've though, been one traumatized of the, I, I have but one of the reasons i i i avoided a little bit is i'm of the opinion that the sopranos is the best anti-hero television program ever made and i view shows like whether it's breaking bad or you know uh, Yellowstone. It, it I, my first reaction is like, oh, they're just ripping off Sopranos. Um, right. But I got to get over it. <laughs> I need shit to watch, so I might give Yellowstone a watch. I've heard it goes off the rails. I'm only a couple seasons in, but uh, that's that happens with most things. And you know, I think I think part of the mentality too, with even the positive trends we see, is about um, is about taking even partial wins. You know, like there's. There's some there's some woke cringe stuff you got to sit through in some episodes of Yellowstone, but then it, it's balanced. It's just the fact that the establishment, even in the communist Hollywood sphere, is realizing that they can monetize Americana and Western trends is a positive trend because they they know that the era of subversion is ending. And they're if they are still trying to subvert things, they have to be a little more clever about it like they used to be. Well, this is actually a great segue into our next trend topic, which is limp Hollywood, limp Hollywood. I'll let you all think about the uh, play on words there. Yeah. But um, really with this and, you know, again, I think this is going to overlap with some of the things, you know, previous segments. I It's already yeah. overlapping. But really what we're going to do is break down some of the latest movies, shows, projects, uh, coming from Hollywoke and why they're all destined to fail. Uh, that I can guarantee you is going to be a uh, uh, never ending well of stuff to pull from because it seems like they are, they're still not giving up on this. And I actually have a great example of this. I'm going to do my little screen share here. So <clears throat> this, I think uh, Elon Musk actually retweeted this, but it said Dis Disney's considering AO at a beery as a replacement for Johnny Depp and pirate six. <laughs> oh now, my God. Here, here's my favorite part about this is if you read the last paragraph, it says the character she's being considered for is named Anne, and it's possible. This character could be based on a real life pirate Anne Bonnie, who was an Irish woman. 
And it's like talk about cultural subversion or cultural you, appropriation. Right. It's like, dude, okay, so it wasn't enough to like, you know, they could have thrown a white Irish woman there and be like, this is based on you know, an, a real pirate. That at least would have been a little bit more viable. It's like, okay, yeah, you're doing your your usual, you know, we're gonna put a woman in for a man. Oh. Uh, yeah. but then it's like, you know, we're gonna put a woman in there based on a, a, a lady with red hair and then we're going to make it black. It's, it's a little mermaid yeah. all over again. And I don't know, like, is Disney still not learning from past mistakes? I mean, my, my God, like, but they're still at it. They're still at it. And this yeah. goes back to like what I said. It's like, it's like they're making it just so painfully obvious for all of us that I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel yeah, it's no weird. It, it, you know, I can spin that though, is that, I mean, if you want to go like full Patriots, Ghost of the Machine, which I, I often do, sometimes I wonder if the controlled demolition of the old guard is uh, is not just relegated to, to politics and that, you know, I, I think a lot of these communist writers and producers, they are earnestly trying to subvert, <laughs> they're earnestly trying to subvert everything, which is a, which is not supposed to be a paradox. Um, but I, I wonder who is putting them in these positions because yes. to your point, you would think you would think that Hollywood would be learning from its financial mistakes. Uh, Disney lost something like a billion dollars in net losses in the box office of 2023, partly by doing this. Um, as a little aside, and this is the latest example of it, I hadn't seen it until you just brought it up, but um, the, the, the little, the archetype that Hollywood is determined to purge from media is basically the white redheaded woman in particular. There's some infographics you can find online where all of the most famous examples of redheaded white women have been replaced by black females. Um, and again, creates this infighting. If you criticize it, you're called racist. Uh, but I think that the cultural pushback has gotten to the point where people are now just saying, I don't really care if you call me racist, this is ridiculous. And I think we should start uh, throwing some counter racism uh, accusations back at them. You know, right. I, I'm sick of I'm sick of this trend where we are not allowed to say that being Irish is a race. It's it's an effing race. It's an ethnicity. I'm Irish as hell. Like people can tell I'm married to a redheaded white woman. It's like these are we are we are also races. And uh, if you're going to play the race game, if you're going to play the race card, then we get to play it, too. And it, it's, it's so funny, though, because these people can't shut up about race and black and Asian and and all these right. minorities, quote unquote, but they basically pretend that all white people are the same thing. All of us, there's no such thing as a German versus an Irishman versus a right. Russian, even though these are completely different ethnicities. Uh, they just say we're all just one broad white brush. Well, I mean, again, this is where history uh, becomes important because if you go back in time, you know, when different waves of uh, white immigrants were coming over here, each new wave, whatever ethnicity it was, basically got shit from the other white race that was already there. So, you know, obviously, you know, there there were different ethnicities of white people that considered Italians, you know, to be a different race and and things like that. Um, so it, of course, you know, I, I can't help but think of the fighting Irish uh, for Notre Dame. Notice how no one is calling for that mascot to be right. needed. They, right. There's a, a clearly drunk Irish stereotype, you know, as, as their mascot. 
but no one cares about that at all. That's yeah, because I mean, Irish like, people are proud of that stereotype. Exactly. <laughs> we are. And, and by the way, I, I think that most, I, I, you know, Native Americans, I, I don't, what's funny again, is like, apparently most Native Americans prefer to be called Indians. Um, but we yeah. can touch on that some other time. Most of them actually like, uh, the mascots that like the chiefs and the yeah. braves, et cetera, et cetera. I, I saw this funny quote from one guy once who said, I like, I'm a huge fan of, uh, you know, the Cleveland Indians as, as long as they're winning, you know, and he was, I can't remember if he was Cherokee, what, what tribe he was. But the point is, is that like, look, the, the, those people are championed because uh, they represent something strong or, you know, yeah. something that we're proud of. Um, and I, I know I got on a little bit of a, a, a tangent there, but I, I always think about the fighting Irish. It, it's the best yeah. example of, of hypocrisy and how no one is calling for, for yeah. that to be thrown away. Yeah, man. Well, let's see how it goes for him, right? I use the Tony Stark meme all the time. Not a great plan. So let's see how replacing <laughs> let's see how replacing Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow, one of the most lucrative characters in the modern age, with a black woman masquerading as an Irish woman, works out for them. I'm sure it will make so much money. I think it's gonna uh, be so huge. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it'll make a lot of people a lot of money on YouTube. So we know that. <laughs> Um, all right, mine is a little tame. It's got Henry Cavill in, but not for positive reasons necessarily. My Limp Hollywood. If you want to share my screen here with the uh, yep. poster, there's a movie in theaters right now called Argyle. Um, this uh, the reason I want to highlight this. This movie, as far as I'm aware, is not overly woke. It's not necessarily pushing communist propaganda or anything. It's just kind of a shitty movie. Um, but the reason I like to see that it is uh, bombing at the box office is a few reasons. Uh, number one, while the marketing here has an attractive man and an attractive woman, uh, Henry Cavill, and then that's, I think that's Dua Lipa, Lipa or something, like a, a Yeah, singer. she is in this. Um, the, all the trailers are marketing these two as the lead. Uh, they are not the lead of this movie. The leads are, um, what's her name right there? Oh my goodness. Bryce Dallas Howard and yep. Sam Rockwell. This whole movie is supposed to be this clever subversion, bait and switch, where the, uh, speaking of redheads, where Bryce Dallas Howard is a writer, these are her fictional characters, and uh, Rockwell is a real-life spy version of Henry Cavill. So it's supposed to be this kind of clever subversion. It's just a bad movie, but audiences are pissed off about it because they're going in thinking they're getting like a Henry Cavill yep. sexy spy thriller, and what they're actually getting is just like a stay-at-home mom writing spy novels who gets roped up into her own little spy adventure. It, again, it's not communist. It's not push, pushing woke propaganda like a lot of the stuff we'll cover on this show. It's just good old-fashioned Hollywood subversion. Didn't you guys think it was so clever that we told you this movie was going to be this thing that you wanted? But actually, F you, it's this completely other thing. And audiences now are waiting until the movie comes out and they are watching reviews, not by professional critics, but by YouTubers and people in the culture war to see what these movies are about and whether or not they should go spend a hundred bucks on a date night to go to a movie. And they decided yep. to, to tell Matthew Vaughn, who I typically like, and uh, and the rest of this production crew to go f themselves. Maybe if you had, maybe if you had actually made just a competent, sexy spy thriller with Henry Cavill and Dua right. Lipa, it would have done some good box office. But instead, you subverted it with a with a 
an out-of-shape Bryce Dallas Howard and a nerdy-looking Weasley Sam Rockwell and tried to make them into super spies, and nobody wants to see that shit. So no. I'm glad that it's crashing and burning. It's it's great to see. Well, this is Guy Ritchie's latest movie, isn't it? This is Matthew Vaughn. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's said produced They're, they're like by the Guy same Ritchie. guy, basically. <laughs> well, one of the things I noticed about this, too, is that like, Jack, the guy who plays Jack Reacher is in this. So like, it's kind of, when you're talking about subversion, it's kind of loaded up with all these stars that we sort of oh, you're thinking be... you're thinking of guy Ritchie's next movie which looks very similar to this oh okay. that's also got henry cavill in it and it has jack reacher in it all right that well, movie isn't out yet I so yeah i was like but yeah it looks good yeah that that does look good so we'll see okay. actually you know what when that comes out what is that called guy Ritchie. i can't remember for um, me. guy Ritchie's next movie uh the ministry of ungentlemanly warfare is yeah what you're that's thinking it. of this will actually be a great thing to call back and see if that movie does better because that is actually going to be a sort of modern spy thriller with a lot of these actors that people like. So let's see if it does better than the bait and switch version of it, which is Argyle. Man, I hope it does. Uh, it, like and uh, like I said, I'm always rooting for Henry Cavill. And you have to wonder too. It's like, why do you sign on to this, man? Yeah. You know, like, come on. You I know. Did he get? Did he script. get rug pulled too? It, it's a rare Henry Cavill L, but mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, well, but did, actually, I, I can spin this as a positive for Henry Cavill because the the number one complaint is that he's barely in the movie and he was marketed as being in it, right? So, right. especially all these thirsty women and probably some thirsty men are going to uh, watch that and they're leaving being like, I had to just stare at Sam Rockwell right. for two hours. What the hell? Well, it's, it's funny though. This is a new trend, right? That This is what happened with the Napoleon movie. Um, basically, the Napoleon oh, movie, yeah. for those who aren't aware, um, you know, it, it was... It was marketed to audiences as this big war epic, you know. Uh, it's directed by uh, God. Why do I always like his name? R Ridley Scott. You know, so everyone's thinking that they're gonna go get a gladiator type film. You know, when I saw the the previews for it, I, obviously I was excited. He does great cinematography. Um, he t to me, like you know, sometimes his his scripts can be kind of cheese, but this one looked good, especially if you're a history fan. It looked good, um, and then. The, the reviews started rolling in. Uh, and I can't remember if it was that YouTube account, Critical Drinker. But basically, oh, yeah. you know, they were talking about how, no, it's just about his relationship with Josephine. You know, it's like, it's essentially like a love story. And then like, you get like maybe 10 minutes of battle scenes. It's like, but they were marketing it to bros like me being like, come yeah. see this war movie. And then you get in the theater and you're like, what is this gay shit? Like, yeah. I, I thought I was going to watch some, some cool battles. And... They even did this with um, Mean Girls. So they did the that Mean Girls remake. My wife was furious about this because she's yeah, a huge Mean and they, Girls they, fan. They marketed it. And, you know, I think people were already kind of annoyed that they were even doing a remake. It's like, why do we need a remake of this this movie? Turns out yeah. it was a music. They remade it out of the, the Broadway musical. But they didn't they didn't tell anybody in any of the trailers. You basically had to go yeah. to the theater and find <laughs> out that you were about to watch a stupid musical. You're right. It's the it's the subversion. And we usually talk about in the info war, we usually talk about communist subversion. But th but this is just old fashioned subversion. You know, you can't in no other business like Hollywood is so unique in terms of how far up their own asses they've stuck their heads. Right. Because in no other business could I walk into a steakhouse and order a steak and they bring me a lobster, <laughs> even if it's a good lobster. 
And I, I'd flip my table, right? I'd be like, I ordered a T-bone steak. I ordered a, a freaking ribeye. Why'd you bring me a lobster? Well, we decided that even yeah, though exactly. you ordered something and we advertised being a steakhouse, we decided that you should have lobster instead. And Hollywood, again, it's it's besides being communist assholes, they're um, they're they're dead set on selling people a spy thriller with Henry Cavill and rug pulling them when they go into the yeah. theater or selling them a Napoleon historical war epic and rug pulling them into Josephine and the story of uh, the story of French French Revolution feminism instead. Right. So it's right. like and the great thing about it is that these things are not making money. No, they're not. I, and again, but they continue to make them. Um, yeah. and, and I actually just remembered last thing on this. Um, with the Mean Girls remake, it was either the head of marketing or maybe he's even like the director said something to the effect of, uh, well, people don't like musicals. So that's why we didn't highlight it in the trailers. <laughs> it's like, well, dude, it's like, OK, so you got into the theater. Congratulations. But all you did was piss them off and make sure yep. that they told everyone else how much it sucks. Yep. But I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> All right, we're actually doing pretty good on time, better than I thought we'd we'd be doing. Uh, we yeah. can jump into our last segment here. Holly Hope, uh, from one of my absolute favorite memes of Mel with his little skig there. Fantastic. Um, again, this is the inverse of Limp Hollywood, where we're we're going to be highlighting some of the the movies, shows that we think actually have a glimmer of hope to them. Um, I know we've already kind of done that a little bit, but maybe even revisiting some some past yeah. film shows that w we think uh, should be analyzed for uh, for our audience. But um, this week, what I picked, and I, I'm betting there's a good chance you picked the same one, uh, is Dune Part 2. Uh, I was going to wait, you son of a bitch. I was going to wait till it's out. <laughs> Cheater. I, uh, but I'm going to pick I, it again man, when I, it comes out. I'm so excited that this, this yeah. movie was supposed to come out, like I think back in November, but yeah, the Hollywood writer strike basically, I guess, set it back five months. So then there was really nothing to watch or look forward to. So it's finally coming out March 1st. Uh, those of you who aren't familiar, you know, this is uh, directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, the part one to this movie came out back in 2001. It's based on Frank Herbert's uh, Dune Saga. Um, and man, it, the first movie was so well executed. Yeah. Incredible cinematography it's devoid or mostly devoid I, I there's probably some subtle woke shit that was inserted in there maybe Very just Zendaya's, but... Zendaya's presence is is the way they put wokeism into it but one of the things i liked about it is they didn't they really did not uh drastically alter the overall storytelling here um and i'm hoping that that re remains true with uh part two christopher walken is going to be playing the emperor which i think has a lot of potential uh to be interesting um but, you know, it's it's one of those rare films that's and I and I feel like one of the things you'll notice is like some of the only good movies that come out anymore. And this doesn't always uh, it, it's not always the case, but some of the rare good movies that still come out are movies that are based on books. Um, and Dune is one of those. The Rings of Power is sort of based on books. And obviously they, you know, they shit that right out. Um, but. I don't know. We'll see. I've, I've a lot of hope for this. Um, I, I love Dennis Villeneuve's work. He did a great job of Blade Runner 2049 Sicario, both great films. If you haven't seen them, definitely recommend checking those out. Um, but uh, one last thing before I turn it over to you, did you know that Tolkien actually hated 
Dune. No. He hated Dune. Um, apparently, like one of his friends uh, recommended it to him, like sent it to him with a letter, and Tolkien sent it back. He was like, "I, I, I don't like this. Here it is. Yeah. Here you go." Um, and the reason for that is that Tolkien hates and hated, I should say, allegory. Hated right. allegory. Um, and that is what Dune is more than anything. Mm -hmm. And that probably is one of the only complaints that I have about it. It's a little on the nose with some things. One of the, I feel like central themes to it is, you know, all religion is meant to manipulate you. I don't agree with that. I think some religions are definitely meant to manipulate you. Um, it's, Islam is definitely one of those. And that's actually where Frank Herbert draw, draws a lot of his uh, inspiration from for, for those books. Um, but one of my favorite uh, inspirations is the Bene Gesserit, who are almost yeah. certainly based on the the Jesuit order, who are you know people who come into countries and basically that's why the the Japanese didn't allow the Catholics in anymore. Was the Jesuits were coming in there and stirring shit up, and the right. you know the Shogun saw them for what they were. But anyways, I'll, I'll wrap up with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a fantastic choice. And I get what Tolkien's saying. Uh, one of the ironies about the Dune films is that um, I think the allegory works because a lot of modern communists are criticizing the Dune movies for playing into the white, the quote unquote, white savior trope, the Messiah trope, yeah. which just shows how stupid modern communists are in these critics, because the whole point or one of the major points of the Dune story is that it is not glorifying Paul right. Atreides as a white savior. It, the whole point of it, the reason I think it's a brilliant work of fiction is um, it, it talks about the good and the bad of that savior ideology and mostly bad where it's basically and one of the reasons I love Paul Atreides as a character is not because I think he's a good character. It's because um, he grapples with this the entire time. You know, the whole point is that there's a great quote in the trailer for Dune Part 2 that is not in the original novel, actually. So credit to the screenwriting on this one, where Paul's, uh, where, uh, Paul's talking to Gurney Halleck, played by Josh Brolin. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, all my visions lead to horror. And uh, Gurney says, because you lose control. And Paul says, no, because I gain it. And it's a fantastic line. Uh, it can be applied to megalomaniacs on the right and left and throughout history. It can be applied to messianic figures. But one little thing I like about Dune that I don't even know if Herbert intended is that characters like Stilgar and Chani and the Freeman, um, they sort of they sort of hit you with a, a, a little telling that or a, um, the prospect that even if the intention originally was uh, a false story or narrative seeding for this messiah figure, um, is it possible that the prophecy can be a self-fulfilling one and right. that it ends up being true anyway, right? So I'm fascinated by that kind of thing. Should be great, and we will talk about it again when it comes up. Um, I picked something a little silly. People are probably going to be a little surprised, but I want to wanted to direct this to families if you want to share my screen here. Yeah. I watched this uh, the other night, the new 2023 Wonka movie. I have no real interest in this kind of movie. I actually kind of watched it because I, I think Timothy Chalamet, who plays Wonka in this, is great as Paul Atreides. Wanted to, I wanted to check out his performance in this one. And um, I, I was actually curious to see uh, why audiences were grabbing onto it so much. The reason I was interested in this movie is it, it debuted to a pretty good box office, not incredible. But what was interesting is it had the best box office holds week over week over week 
of any movie of the last 12 months. And I thought that that was interesting. To me, just like we said in the previous segment, people are, um, people are getting sick of subversion. And the second weekend box office drop is usually the biggest marker of whether or not the people who saw your movie felt like they were being lectured right. or anything, right? Wonka uh, kept retained its audience. I watched it, and I can tell you why. Uh, this isn't a groundbreaking movie. It's just pretty good. If you're looking for a family movie that's hard to find in this era out of Hollywood, um, this movie is not subversive. It's a, it's, a, it's a prequel about Willy Wonka. Timothy Chalamet has kind of a good, whimsical performance. It's marketed as a musical, and it is a musical, so you know what it is. You know, there's not too much musical stuff in it. There's just a little bit of it. Um, there's a diverse cast that they don't comment on their diversity at all. The villain of the movie, the main villain of the movie, is a black guy. They don't comment on his race at all. They don't comment on Wonka's race at all. Um, it's basically just a movie about Wonka trying to help a bunch of other people uh, fight back against the establishment and start his business. And that's exactly what it is. You know, it's not the reason I picked it is not because it's groundbreaking. It's because it's not. And it's refreshing to see a Willy Wonka movie is just a Willy Wonka movie. It's pretty good. You could have your kids watch it and not be traumatized or subverted into like trans ideology. And so, yeah, if anybody was wondering about putting this on for the for the family, I I have I have uh, passed it through the bullshit filter and it passed the test. So I'm kind <laughs> of glad to see it being rewarded financially for just not rug pulling everybody who went to see it. Well, it 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 kind of it's it's kind of sad, you know. It's an indicator of how, how low the bar has gone. That like, if the movie is not being subversive, then yeah. that, that means we're like, hey, I'll actually give it a watch, you know, because yep. we we all know it's like, oh, you know, five minutes in, they're already talking about like, you know, all the the mean male character. You're like, oh, I see where this is going. It, to me, I I avoided this like the plague just yeah. primarily because I saw it as another, just another remake. You know, because yeah, it, yeah. it feels like that's all Hollywood has anymore uh, instead of original ideas. Um, but I guess it's saving grace is that it, it wasn't subversive. And, yeah. and maybe they knew that when they were making it. They were like, all right. Well. I will say, too, it's not a it's not a retelling of Willy Wonka. It's a prequel about him as a young man. So it okay. actually has an original story that's that's be I would say better than, you know, it's not just kids going through a chocolate factory. Like it's, it's more about the start of all of it. And uh, yeah, I just thought, you know, it's made by Warner Brothers. And um, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like a more classic Disney movie before the era of open communist subversion. Right. And like uh, the Disney Renaissance age. It's funny because Disney can't make those anymore. Nope. So it's somebody else making them. But uh, I can grab some rants uh, that we got through all our topics. Oh, let's do right rants. The end of the show. But uh, we got some rants here. So thank you guys for supporting. Texas Free 77 sent 15 bucks over and said, looking forward to another Badlands favorite. Love the premise of the show. A big Texas size thanks to you both. God bless Texas. C, uh, C Sus B G O Chem says, sends 20 bucks over, says, keeping the vibe going, digging the glasses rum. Thank you for the new show. Shout out to the Badlands community. Love you all. Thank you, C Sus. Jester3334 sends 10 over, says, I live down the street from Swift's parents here in Northeast Nashville. I used to see her regularly before she moved to NYC. Had the boyish features thought many times over the years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if she's padding her, if she's padding her butt, maybe, maybe there's a little more to that boyish features thing than I even God. thought. I don't know. Um, 
Astro Emmy sends 17 over, says, Creating culture is a great thing. We can all do a little to change the culture around us. Go BB and Julian's rum. Astro is a longtime Badlands supporter. Sea uh, to Shining Sea sends three bucks over, says, Profanity is a seasoning of language. Too much and the meaning is lost and overpowered. Too little and discourse becomes bland and monotonous. Congrats on your first show, gentlemen. I completely well agree with that premise. Completely give us agree. a spice rating. Maybe the chat can give us a spice yeah. rating after each episode of like, was it enough seasoning? Do we need to spice it up? Spi you know, maybe make it a little more bland. Seahawk mom, 1987 sent 10 over said great first episode. Love having content early in the day that engages the brain. That's great. Yeah. We, we know engagers. that we're in a, we know that we're in a time slot where we're probably not, you know, not as many people are able to watch live. But hopefully this is something that's toward the end of the week. People are info-warring throughout the first half of the week. Maybe take a yep. little bit of, let some steam out as we're heading toward the weekend. Hey, but you know how you can help us is is smashing the like button. That's true. Uh, so, so John can see that people like us uh, or yeah. don't, but but smash it. It's the way to subvert John. So uh, if you it, want yes. to subvert him. Every like that I get on any show that I'm on, unfortunately, you you've you might have uh, attached your your cart to the wrong horse here at Badlands <laughs> Jr. But it's too late, no take backsies. It's already hitched. Yep. CSUS sends another one and sends twenty over. Says, "Damn you, BB! I lost a bet. First episode and already Tolkien. I was hoping Lord of the Rings would be saved until the second episode. Keep those shades, rum." <laughs> We will talk it, about it, Tolkien every episode, most likely. It, it's literally going to be constant. I mean, like you should have known you're putting me and BB together that that's yeah. that's always you're you're going to get. So get ready. I for will more. call uh, Jr. out that he did not know the name of this sword right here before the show in our pre-show Tolkien discussion. So he went down a few points. Um, we know who the one true Tolkien person is here, but you know, I have I have faith in you. You can maybe come back from that one. I, I will admit I'm not quite as autistic about Lord of the Rings, but I'm trying to be. Yeah. Well, we can't all we can't all be uh, fantastic Tolkien experts. PJW sends the last one over twenty bucks. Loving the show. Been listening while beating my brother at pool. He's not happy that his DNA, his bone marrow, gave me the addiction for pool. <laughs> Pissed <laughs> at his sister, the heretic. Haha. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, Mrs. Bright uh, beat me at pool last time we played and. She oh, talked a rough. lot of smack about it. So, you know, and it was usually on the eight ball. Oh, that makes zigzag, it worse. And Zigzag comes in. BB on a stripper pole and a flag thong Mo Spice. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to do that, but no. we will keep our options open. If it gets the likes, we'll do it. For the love That's of God, don't maybe don't like. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, thank you guys for supporting the, sh the first show. So we're going to be here. The plan is every Thursday, barring scheduling changes, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, hit the thumbs up. Um, if you guys want to support us, if you're watching it on replay and you want to get some, uh, maybe maybe you play your own topic game in there of what we did sort of with the segments that JR came up with and uh, send us a boost. Go to BadlandsMedia.tv. You can shop for merchandise. Um, you, can, you can support us that way. You can sign up to become a Badlander for free. So uh, yeah, that was that was the first one. I'm glad a lot of people turned out. Same, and I had a lot of fun. A lot, a lot more fun. You know, at the very beginning, I was like, you know, that imposter syndrome sit, sits in. But I, I really had a great time. I think uh, future shows are going to be just as fun as this one, and uh, can't wait to see what's to come. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, we will see you next time. And uh, maybe I'll do what Just Human does. And as we're leaving the shows, I'll do our little tagline. So the tagline for this this show is don't fight the culture, become it. And we'll see oh, you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>